and welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Today we've arrived at week four of our eight-week study of Ephesians, and the midpoint in this series also marks a significant midpoint in this book. The book of Ephesians contains six chapters, the first three largely focused on matters of theology, while the last three chapters offer excellent practical advice built on that theology. In chapter one, we saw the role that each person of the Trinity plays in reconciling us to God's family and Paul's prayer that we might begin to grasp the wonder of that. Then in chapter two, we saw the deeply important truth that our salvation flows only out of God's grace. And then that that grace has broken down the walls between all who believe, compelling us to live as God's true church, a united body of believers who are all the very dwelling place of God's spirit. And now today in chapter three, we're finishing up this theology section from a beautifully personal perspective. Chapter 3 is largely about the wonder of God revealing the mystery of his plan to unite all peoples as one body of believers. And we're going to get a special glimpse into Paul's heart as he processes for us what it was like to be used by God to have a part in this. And he concludes the first half of the book with what I think is one of the most incredible prayers in all of Scripture. And I'm absolutely delighted that with me here to talk through this excellent chapter is Kate Robinson. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Fair. It's great to be back again talking to you about scripture again today. I'm so glad you are. We, The people listening don't have the advantage of knowing how much we've enjoyed just having some chats about this chapter already. And, and now that we get an opportunity to do it for real, uh, hopefully God blesses our conversation as much yeah. as he had before yeah. the oh, microphones. We could were talk in. about this for a long time, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> This is a beautiful chapter, and I'm excited to talk about it with you again. (laughs) Uh, Why don't we start off by, we're going to go through the entire chapter today, but why don't we start off by just looking at the first six verses. Do you want to get us going by reading uh, verses one through six for us? Yeah, I'd love to. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already briefly written. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not made known the people in other generations that it has been revealed by the spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Thank you. So let's talk about this mystery. Yeah, the mystery is not mystical. I think we've discussed that before it's it's not this elusive thing it's more it's a revelation it's always been there god's plan was always to have this but it's suddenly been um 
It's been partially obscured, and but now it's fully revealed. And the excitement of the Gentiles at this moment to have something revealed to them as mm. Gentiles, mm-hmm. and this mystery being that they are equal mm. in sta- um, status before God as the Jews, mm-hmm. and that's never been the case before. And just being there in the midst of hearing this for the first time and thinking yes, and the excitement of yeah the revelation and the that they don't have to try and be like it would have been in Old Testament times to have conformed to the Jewish way in order to be accepted by God. Mm-hmm. They can just come as they are, as Gentiles, and have unity wi- and worship with the Jews. Yeah, that is amazing. And, and how exciting for them to be that first generation to begin to experience this new way of being the body of Christ. Um, but I think it is important that we bring that out, that mystery is not something that that we can't understand, mm-hmm. that would be a, a misinterpretation of how Paul is using that word, uh, that this was definitely something that they could understand and that we can understand mm-hmm. now. Uh, and that will actually even continue to come into play. We've already seen him in, in prior chapters use the word mystery, and we'll even see later in, in a famous part of Ephesians talking about marriage, about the, the mystery of marriage being like Christ in the church. So yes, mystery being this concept of something that has been somewhat obscured, as you said, but is now fully revealed. Yeah, and I I think there's a sense of we can look at this as how exciting it was for the Gentiles at the time that they are heirs together, members together of one body, that whole unity. But that applies to us today as well, in that we are united as one body. And mm. if if this hadn't been revealed, would we still be under the Jewish law? Would we have this access to God now? And just how we should be marveling at it as well of mm. the freedom we have to come and worship God um, today. And yeah, think, think of how different that would be if Christ hadn't come and if he hadn't as chapter two had talked about, about uniting us into a whole new man, a whole new body of people who just have this direct access to God through what Jesus did for us. Can you imagine how different our church experience would be if we still had to essentially become like Jews first and follow all of the Jewish traditions and practices? It would be a whole different experience than what we know, what it what it looks like to live out our faith today. Yeah, and that's the beauty of God's plan mm. is that the unity that we see, if you look at our church here at Autumn Ridge or you look at the church globally, the local assembly should look like this. The whole the different cultures, different backgrounds, we shouldn't be divided. That Everyone is accepted equally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we can't divide. We, should, we shouldn't be dividing ourselves. All are equal in Christ and mm-hmm. we're united as one whether we are from a different class, whether from a different region, different country, if we have different political views, we are all one. There's no superior. If we understand theology, some of the the minors, not the majors, but the minor things are Mm a little different. We are being the body of Christ Mm -hmm. and union together. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, not to put you on the spot, but your accent betrays the fact that you didn't grow up around these parts here. And and so even uh, you have had that experience of moving from one country to another country, and yet the experience of being part of the body of Christ. Uh, I'm, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but, <laughs> but, but so many Christians have said that, that even though you come from a different culture, 
we share something, we share this bond of who we are in Christ that transcends a lot of other cultural practices. It does. And not just from us moving here that um, some of you will know that prior to being coming to the church here, um, Jamie, my husband and myself and our family lived on an international Christian community. Mm. And we had 19 different nationalities at any one time, worshipping together, embracing each other's differences and language and the way we did church. But yeah, that entering in and having similarity and unity in that was just, it was a foretaste of heaven, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd like to say a little bit more about what was hidden and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about this mystery being something where there was something hidden at one point in the era of the Old Testament. They didn't have the full picture that now this generation that Paul is writing to, and certainly now that what we have with the entirety of Scripture at our fingertips, what we understand Um, The Old Testament always had the blessing of the world in Mm -hmm. mind. It never was intended to convey that only Jews had access to God and no one else did. Uh, But that the idea prior to Christ coming was that people who wanted to enter into that committed relationship with God did so through the people of God, through becoming like the Jews. Uh, But then Christ broke down those barriers and removed that... uh, that step and made us all co-equal in the body of Christ. And, uh, and what an amazing thing that was. It's not that the former was wrong and he had to come and fix it, uh, but that there were lessons to be learned through the way that God interacted with those people, holding up this idea that the people of God would be a light to all of the Mm -hmm. nations, that they would maybe see something different in the way that those people interacted with God that would draw people to God. And now we all can be bearers of that light as we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. I think that it clearly brought Paul joy, I think, to even have a role in getting to be the person who is bringing this message to Mm -hmm. the Gentiles. We Mm -hmm. might take it for granted now because we we've never known anything different. But for Paul, this this is revolutionary. He's, he's now saying, you don't have to become like the Jews in order to have full access to God. And, and, and I think this chapter shows us some of his awe and humility at being used by God to be the one who is bringing this message to the Gentiles. Uh, verse 1, not that we're like starting over from the beginning necessarily <laughs> here, but, but verse 1 reveals some of that, that he uh, was bringing this message for the sake of, of the Gentiles. Yeah, it's like he's their advocate, he's mm. their speaker, he's, he, yeah, his heart is for the Gentiles so that they would know the riches and understanding and have the full revelation of who Christ was as well. And it's, yeah, it's obviously, it's very clear that he's doing it for them and he is for them um, and for them to know more. Yeah, and, and another uh, difficult detail in that verse one that he is the prisoner of Christ Jesus and, and he is a prisoner in the figurative sense of of feeling like he is completely owned and controlled by what Christ Jesus has for him. But he was also a literal prisoner too, imprisoned mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. literally for the sake of the Gentiles, for um, for bringing the truth to them. Uh, but anyone familiar with Paul knows his backstory as the person who had been persecuting 
the first Christians, uh, some of these early Gentiles. And I want to move us into the next section in verses 7 through 9, but I think having this frame of reference in mind that Paul is writing here to people where some of these people may have been attacked directly by him in years prior to this. When he was on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe a family member or a friend had been affected by by them, by him, and uh, how that would affect his heart for these people as he's had to work through some things in his own life and Mm -hmm. realizing the mistakes that he had made Mm -hmm. and how Christ had to change his heart for the Gentiles and for these new Christian believers. Um, Verse 7, why don't you read verses 7 through 9 for us, and it'll kind of launch us into this next section. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Thanks. I I just, in reading those verses, I have so many questions I'd love to ask Paul Mm -hmm. (laughs) about this. How incredibly difficult it must have been for him, um, I I would think, if, if I were in his place, to forgive himself for some of the things that he had done, I think it's only by the power of God that one could do that. And and so when he's saying, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace, I, I don't think those were empty words. No. I think Paul understood what he'd been writing about, that this is all by God's grace. And, uh, you know, and then in verse eight, that he considers himself the least of all the Lord's people, uh, but this grace was given to him. It just strikes me as being such a powerful reminder to us that God not only can use anyone, but that he wants us to be able to rely on his grace for what he calls us to do. It would be so easy for Satan to have disqualified Paul or to say, you know, Paul, you you don't have any any credibility with these people. They're going to despise you. And, uh, and yet... Um, Paul or Paul's recognition of God's grace allowed him to stand on his guard against mm-hmm. what could have easily been attacks from from the devil from the father of lies. Yeah, he he's uh, It would have been it would have been yeah, it would have been easy for him to feel overcome by the past and he attributes it all to God's grace mm-hmm. that everything he does and everything he understands and everything he gives and speaks is all from God mm-hmm. and just is not in his own power because, but he understands so much more of what they've been through because obviously he persecuted mm. um, them prior to his miraculous turnaround and salvation. So he understands what they're facing and what they're up against in society to, to therefore be able to come and preach the good news to them mm-hmm. even more so, which must have just been amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, let me read the next section for us, verses 10 through 13, because it introduces other people that were affected by this amazing display of God's grace. Verse 10 says, His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Mm. 
I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Yeah, I I love the imagery here. It's talking about the heaven made known in the heavenly realms, but about the position the church, the, the assembly of God's people reveals the revelation that all are one through Christ. It's again, it is transformational, not just in the physical world, but where, where we should be influencing those around us, the human institutions, and um, we should be setting the example, but also through the spiritual as well, which we often don't talk about. We like to talk about the physical, not the spiritual, but here. Yeah. So it's, talk, it's like the angels don't know the plan. The mm-hmm. angels haven't been foretold God's plan. And it's through God's revelation through, to human beings that mm-hmm. they are called, called to worship him more and they fall on their knees and worship him more because yeah. they understand it suddenly and it's the revelation to them. But also on the flip side of that, you've got the the opposite, which is Satan and the evil powers. By God revealing this and the, and the church worshiping God for who he is, they are reminded that Satan has no power. Yeah. Um, and God has all the power and it should marvel, um, cause them to marvel at God's wisdom as well. So it's kind of on this three levels of the, the physical of the, the, the world around us and the spiritual of the angels and, and the, and Satan and his, his, um, demonic powers as well. And it's, you just, you don't think of that when we're gathered as a church and being the body of Christ, that it's, we're influencing on so many different levels and that's God's plan. That is really exciting to think about that. Like mm-hmm. when we gather to worship, it's not just all about us. It's not just all about our worship of God, that there is a spiritual realm that, uh, that we can't see, but it is still real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that effective united worship has an impact, both, like you say, a positive impact on the angels mm-hmm. and their worship of God and a warning to to the evil spirits as well. And that that's amazing. This this verse, when I first was studying this in verse 10 to see that, uh, that this was part of God's plan and revealing this, that it would have an impact on the authorities in the mm-hmm. heavenly realms was just uh, quite powerful to me in, in seeing that. I think it's also interesting just to kind of return a little bit to this idea of Paul and the context of that, that he finishes this in verse 13 with, I ask you not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. You know, whereas it's easy to understand that uh, that Paul might have felt inhibited from how the Gentiles re- receive him. Paul's heart seems to be almost the opposite, where he's telling them, I've been here to give you this message for your sake. And yet I've been imprisoned for it. I don't want you to be discouraged by that. And it's like we can kind of almost see him having come full circle in that more with such a heart of concern for the Gentiles. Yeah, we can see the opposite. We can see how a a glimpse into how they felt about him. If they're discouraged about his sufferings, Mm -hmm. probably in there would have been those around who would have got well he deserves the suffering that he's getting it's it's his comeuppance mm-hmm. whereas they obviously hold him cl- dear to themselves mm-hmm. that he is their advocate and it's the view that they have on him to be discouraged because of his sufferings for them that they they accept him yeah and they accept his teachings and appreciate i guess him and ex- are excited to have an advocate and someone to stand up for them yeah um in, and, in the society that they're living in and how powerful that he can tell them 
don't be discouraged by this. Actually, mm-hmm. suffering can be evidence of God's mm-hmm. grace. It's it's not something that's beyond God's power, but yet it's it's still part of God's grace. It's part of his plan, uh, just as this whole thing has been driving towards this plan for them that has been revealed to them. Uh, none of this is beyond the power of the Father. But I think a question that comes to mind for me in seeing Paul's role in all of this is, what did he need to be able to be an effective witness to the Gentiles? And, uh, you know, he, he seems to continually apply to God's grace. But uh, what does it mean for us? What do we need to feel that we have what we need to minister for God, to reach out to other people, to live united with people uh, who may be different from us in any number of ways so that we can be united people of God? Prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) That's clearly the answer that Paul had. And I think that's, you know, turning to the rest of this chapter is this amazing prayer. Amazing prayer. Yeah. Why don't you read that prayer for us? I'd love to. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that you, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Mm. I just think that's one of the most spectacular prayers. And Mm -hmm. it's what I realize when we read this. It's what I long for people to pray for me. And isn't it interesting that so often when we ask for prayer requests, they tend to be very limited kinds of tangible things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a long time since I recall anyone praying that, that we'd be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being Mm -hmm. or asking our friends to intercede for us that we would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Um, but yeah, that why seems is that? So much why do we not talk about these things? If if in our small groups or around us, someone asks us, "How can I pray for you?" We'll either go, "Oh no, my life's I'm there's nothing to pray for at the moment," <laughs> or it will be. It'll be physical, tangible. It'll be for health. It can be for our children, um, those we know. It can be that they would. Um, we'll pay for people's salvation but how often do we say well actually I'm really struggling in my faith at the moment would you pray for me to know more of God's peace would you pray for me to be rooted more may may you pray for me to know his power would you Mm -hmm. pray for me to have more faith in the situation so maybe that's a challenge to us next time says someone says how can I pray for you not just say a a physical thing yeah but if, if there isn't anything tangible come up with a spiritual thing let's pray ourselves spiritually because it's just not something we do yeah (laughs) pray for our spiritual health as much as our physical 
being. Yeah. Well, and I don't think we even need to wait until we feel like we need spiritual mm -hmm. help or a growth and vitality to ask for this because we will we never <laughs> reach the point of fully understanding this or fully grasping or fully having knowledge of this love that surpasses knowledge. And, uh, and we can always grow uh, yeah. deeper in this. And, and I would even suggest that that even when we do have very specific tangible needs, that many of those things fall into place if this is our frame yes. of reference yes. or our perspective. If we are, as verse 17 says, rooted and established in love, that's so much stronger a place to start from than I hope God will give me the answer I want. <laughs> yeah, because if we're rooted and we understand and get our roots are deep, even if the physical around us, even if our our circumstances are taken away from us, like what Paul has had, he's he's in prison. But mm. if we're rooted, it's a bit like a tree. If the roots go down deep, you can prune the tree, you can chop off its limbs, you can physically alter the tree, mm -hmm. but it's going to grow back. It's still alive because those roots are still there. In the fact, same way as if we are rooted and getting deeper in our experience with God, then the 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 trials of life can come by, but mm -hmm. we understand who God is. And it's harder to have our spiritual taken away from us, mm. uh, what we are in a being taken away from us than it is the physical, because you can't attack that quite so hard if you really are rooted and understand the love of God has for you. Yeah. Now, lest anyone listening feels shameful or guilty or inadequate for what we're suggesting, because maybe this isn't something that's been part of their mindset or their practice, the the end of this chapter, I think, is so beautiful mm -hmm. when verse 20 mm -hmm. says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Um, God. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Even when we don't pray as we ought, even when we don't remember to ask for God to help us understand, to know, and even when we don't feel rooted, mm -hmm. that doesn't limit God. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And it's because of that power that's working at within us that Paul's been trying to help us grasp and mm -hmm. help us see, like back from, from chapter one, when he wants the eyes of our heart to be enlightened to this. Um, and, and this amazing benediction at the end, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. How can you not just stop and worship God and hear in that? You must. <laughs> it's like you can take it, you can imagine what God can do. And we can imagine pretty big sometimes what God can do. And we can have, we can imagine pretty small but both of those situations, he can do more than we can imagine. If we think a situation is impossible for God, mm. it's not. Mm -hmm. And it might be that it's us that he's going to be working on. And the, the difference is with the spiritual, that yes. through what the situation, the answer to prayer is that we grow deeper in God. Or it could be that the, the situation we're in is removed or it's transformed through the power of prayer. But God can do so much more. And we're going to spend eternity hopefully learning more and he's going to reveal more. And, oh, yes, yeah. let's just worship God and say thank you, God, and just be in awe and wonder because he is, in the true sense, awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, well said. 
Well, let me finish by praying. And I would love to actually just pray this scripture. And Kate, if I can uh, embarrass you, I'd love to just personalize it for you <laughs> and use your name in there. And and anyone listening, if you want to mentally put your own name in this, um, just like Paul wanted to pray this for, for his people that he's reaching, I would love to pray this for the people that are listening right now. Dear Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen Kate with the power through your spirit in, your, in her inner being so that Christ would dwell in her heart through faith. And I pray that you, Kate, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org.